disaster with that tent. I my audio was so horrific. Oh. Um, I apologize to anyone who had to sit through that. Uh, oh. But you still in your linen closet? Do you have an audience this week? I do. I have the stuffed animals. They're all here and accounted for. <laughs> <laughs> They're still staring at me. But I I think it's a good thing that they can't talk because I just don't think I could handle their their criticism. <laughs> but... I appreciate the fact that we have an audience. <laughs> yes, seriously. Uh, speaking of which, though, thank you, uh, our listeners, for listening and tuning in. We really appreciate it. But I wanted to say something about our audio. I was talking to a friend, and I was sort of saying, you know, yes, I, we have this podcast, and the audio is not that great. And he's like, don't worry, I love lo-fi productions. I'm like, well, that's what you're going to get. So- <laughs> hey, we exceeded something. We are pros. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We deliver when it comes to lo-fi productions production so there you go anyway yeah, yeah yeah seriously so we are going to dive in and we are uh breaking a little bit from our usual format because i'm not sure if you remember but chris delved into the fascinating fascinating story story of the notorious rbg i didn't know very much about her and i was absolutely in awe by the end of it and i understand that we are going to have the part two today so i am really looking forward to learning more about her and i just i was reflecting on some of the things that really stuck out in my mind and it's it's so typical of my brain that she did all these incredible things and the only thing i'm thinking is how did she only sleep one to two hours a night like it's <laughs> well I guess you know there's a point in our life and everybody you have to do what you have to do yeah and at that point she had so many things to do and she was young enough let's be honest and she just developed the skill I mean you know they say some of the most brilliant people do only sleep they sleep less than four hours a night yeah I've heard that so uh, yeah, and, I guess you're right. It's it's focus, it's drive. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's probably habit too. Like I think that if I got in the habit of only sleeping four hours a night, uh, I might be able to survive. I don't know. I don't know. She was just, she's just such an incredibly dedicated person. I don't think, you know, she had a job to do and she did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe, maybe she got her boost and her energy from being so productive and effective, you know, maybe sleep wasn't her, her drug of choice, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. And I loved the other thing that you said about her uh, always taking the time to think before she spoke. Like, I just think that is a lesson for everybody. And I don't think she could have accomplished what she did if she was like sort of responding to everything in a really hot headed way. Like, I think this talent she had for really just absorbing things and thinking about what a reply was going to be and then expressing it was such a key to her success. It certainly is something that I hope to adopt one day. Well, I will say if even if someone doesn't have a chance to go want, watch one of the RBG movies that are out there, I think there's there's like Ruby, uh, Ruth, there's RBG, and then there's uh, there's another one I forget what it's called. But anyway, um, even if you go on YouTube just to hear her speak at one of these colleges, yeah, you get you have to hear her say the words, and then it really gets into it gets under your skin, into your soul. I mean, she like everything that I wrote, I heard it in her voice. It makes a huge difference. So even if you don't have time to watch a home movie, just click on for like 20 minutes onto one of those on YouTube. Okay. uh, She's fascinating. Oh, yes. Well, I'm excited to hear more. So shall I hand the floor over to you? Uh, Yes, I think you should, but I cannot get into it yet. Uh Uh-oh. Well, as usual, um, Uh I do feel the need to address last week's episode that you did. And it was a 
fascinating look at the number 108 and the significance <laughs> in the universe. Um, and I really knew nothing about it. Yeah. So I looked it up and you seem to have missed a few pretty incredible facts about the number 108. Oh, busted again. All yeah. right. So, so what did I miss? Just one minute to explore. Now, right. you failed to mention that there are 108 cards in a deck of Uno. You know, I read that, but I didn't think it was that exciting. Again, that just shows where my brain is. All right. We're, we're different levels, darling. <laughs> for those of you that, and I can't believe anyone listening, um, for those of you who enjoy a game of Canasta, that uses 108 cards as well. Now, when I say the word canasta, is that not the most like 60s, 70s thing that I could say? Doesn't it just conjure up an image of like mustard yellow and brown? <laughs> <laughs> like our wallpaper? Growing up, yep. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, canasta. Wow. <laughs> that just, I, I'm not talking because I'm like thrown, I'm like hurling backward <laughs> decades right now. Exactly. Down through the universe. See? <laughs> oh my God. So you see, I did miss out some important facts. Thank God for you and your <laughs> more playful brain. Wait, there's more. Oh, oh boy. Now, for those of you who attended probably English class or wherever it was taught in school, in Homer's Odyssey, the number of suitors coveting his wife Penelope was 108. I read that too. Apparently, I, I left out all the stuff that people were actually interested in, <laughs> in hearing, but okay. <laughs> you also failed to mention that the Belgian cyclist Wouta Weiland, I'm mm. sorry, Wouta, if I said your name incorrectly, he wore the number 108 when he crashed and died in the Giro d'Italia. I guess it's a like some sort of bike race in 2011. Yeah. I I seriously read that. Too. <laughs> okay, I'll do a more thorough job next time. I promise. <laughs> Please do. Okay. Um, for those of you who didn't know, the volume expansion of water freezing. Now they said is I think they're stretching it. They say roughly 108. percent I mean, it could be like 96, and they're just calling. I yeah. I think, the, you know, 96, 108, you know, it's one and the same, essentially. They said roughly 108, so it could really mean anything. And finally, my last fact is 108 is the atomic number of hassium. Fun fact, it is a man-made radioactive element on the periodic table. And that's it. Well, to be fair, when I was looking, I mean, and you saw this when you were looking, mm -hmm. um, there are bazillions of other 108 uh facts I know. that we touched on so i thank you deb i shall never look at the number 108 the same way again well then my work here is done <laughs> yeah now they were honestly is. pardon now it is yeah <laughs> yeah there were so many things that i was trying to keep it all grouped into like science and math and anyway and then i just i didn't want to overwhelm anybody anymore that I, I had to but I'm glad you added those because it really is incredible how much it shows up so yay that was good research well done <laughs> but now because this is I'm trying to keep I tried to cut it down as much as possible but you know I couldn't so <laughs> so now here we go part two of the notorious RBG the Supreme Court years wow 
Dun, dun, dun. Where we left off was Jimmy Carter had just appointed Ruth to the Circuit Court of Appeals in D.C. Now let's fast forward 13 years. I'm sure she did important things in there, but anyway. Let's go forward 13 years past Ronald Reagan, past George Bush, the first one, not the second one, mm-hmm. on to the Clinton years. Mm-hmm. So the Supreme Court would have a seat to fill as soon as Justice Byron White was retiring. Okay. So President Clinton wanted Governor Cuomo, but actually Governor Cuomo wasn't interested in the job. Mm. Uh, and Clinton had a very long list of candidates. And would you believe Ruth was not among them? It doesn't surprise me for some reason, but I, I, I mean, I'm not one to say, you know, whatever, yeah. when I say Cuomo, I'm like, mm, with what's come out lately. Yeah, exactly. We all know that why he wasn't interested in that seat. <laughs> but oh, oh, anyway, yeah, tell me how she got on the list. Well, Ruth was rec- recommended to Clinton by uh, the U.S. Attorney Janet Reno, who mm-hmm. actually, following down the line, was suggested to her by Utah Representative Orrin Hatch. Which was odd because he, they actually had uh, usually very different views on things, but he respected her. Hmm. Then rumor has it that also a good friend of hers, uh, uh, Representative Scalia, Justice Scalia, I'm sorry, had recommended her as well. Okay. So it's up in the air. Hmm. Nonetheless, we all know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> according to, now, according to Wikipedia, Clinton was supposed to be looking for a more diverse court. And we all know Ruth Bader Ginsburg certainly fit that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, however, President Clinton wasn't really all that interested in her. And one of the reasons being is she was already over 60. Oh, so we've got sexism, we've got ageism, and the fact that she's Jewish. Wow. Wow. That's diverse, if you ask me. Yeah. Yes. They thought she was too old for the job. But her husband, Marty, he was very well known and, uh, and respect, you know, very well known, respected tax lawyer. And he worked his magic. And through all of his connections, he got her that interview with Clinton. Wow. But, and he was hesitant, but so he did the interview and he said within 15 minutes of speaking with Ruth, he found his new associate justice. Wow. Oh my (laughs) God. That's, it's incredible. I I would love to have heard that 15 minute conversation. I know. They have pictures of her walking around the White House and talking and stuff, but... (laughs) Uh, well, she would have to endure long day, days, long testimonies in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, that's all part of the confirmation hearings. Mm-hmm. And Ginsburg was very careful, though, as though you would think otherwise, uh, mm-hmm. when she was asked about certain subjects, such as the death penalty, because mm-hmm. uh, she would refuse to actually answer this because this could become an issue that she has to vote on in the future. Mm-hmm. And of course, a justice should not have like a pre-existing, pre-existing, excuse me, opinion on such things. Right. Okay. Uh, but she did, however, give her affirmation to anything constitutional, such as the right to privacy and any personal judiciary philosophies towards gender equality. And she was also quite forward about her views with any topic that she may have personally written or argued on. So if, you know, she was happy to talk about all those things because they're in her past and her but it's not an opinion per se. Okay. It goes by the constitution. Okay. I feel like either I don't understand the difference between <laughs> those things or there's a very thin line, but anyway, maybe we don't have to talk about that. Well, no, one would be, I don't think that African Americans, uh, I think that African Americans should vote. The constitution mm-hmm. says African Americans can vote. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, if the constitution says they can 
than they can. My opinion doesn't matter. I have to go by what the rules say. Right. Okay. Got it. So the Constitution is a set of rules. Right, right. And the uh, Supreme Court has to enforce those rules. They have to read them and say, no, no, you broke this rule. Now you have to do this. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they're essentially giving a voice to the Constitution and they have to represent that. Correct. They have to put their opinions on the shelf and they have to just go by the written word. Ooh, that's tricky, but wow. And it does, you know, it's never 100% because you can interpret the Constitution in many, you know, you can interpret it a little bit, but that's why they have nine justices to vote. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You see nine, the number nine, remember that was an auspicious number? One plus zero plus eight is nine. You see? There you go. We're right back. (laughs) Right back to uh, stage one. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Okay, so she received her confirmation on August 5th, sworn in with Marty by her side, beaming her pride, I might add, on August 10th. Hmm. Uh, Did I say that she was confirmed by a 96 to 3 vote? Which I don't know who the three people were who decided not to. Uh, But it doesn't matter. She 96 people wanted her on that. Well, there's always a troublemaker. I know. Um, She is not... She has since become the longest serving Jewish judge. Mm-hmm. Okay, fun fact about Ruth time. Ruth is a lousy cook. Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> yeah, but she at least has the lawyer side to make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just a lousy cook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, early in their marriage, Marty took over in the kitchen as he hated, and he says it himself, the idea of warmed up tuna noodle casserole for the rest of his life. Oh my, I don't even think I can make that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, there was one interview, the daughter says, um, I don't think I saw a real vegetable until I was like 14. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter could probably say something like that. Wow. But you, you, you see, you, I guess you just, you can't be RBG. Okay. Uh, like, okay, something had to give, right? So a cookie exactly. cooking skills going, I think, is fair enough. <laughs> well, believe it or not, his cooking actually became amazing, and he became famous over time. And after his death, his daughter Jane released a cookbook of his best recipes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Incredible. And for those interested, it's called Chef Supreme by Martin Ginsburg. Wow. So back to the higher justice. Now, of course, Ruth has work to do. She is part of some revolutionary cases, and I'm going to run through just a few of them as fast as I can. One, 1996, U.S. versus Virginia. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, VMI, which is the Virginia Military Institute, was an all-male school that used a highly adversarial method to train mm-hmm. men to be leaders. Mm-hmm. At some point, the courts had said they violated the Equal Protection Clause. So they built a sister, like they didn't have equal rights for the girls. So they just built a sister school for the women. Right. Um, but it wasn't, it, but it was still unequal because they didn't put as much funding into it and the academics were not as good and therefore they were still in violation. Right. Mm-hmm. So then in 1990, a female high school student complained to the U.S. Department of Justice that VMI would not even, would not accept women. In fact, <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I imagine being in high school and filing a claim with the Department of Justice. Justice. I mean, that is incredible, I think. A high schooler? Keep in mind, this is 1996. Not very long ago. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that VMI is a state-funded school, and they are supposed to be 
Mm. Uh, they are not supposed to be a same-sex school. This is one of two, I think, that were left in the state, if not the last one, that was all male. God. No, you're right. That's that's incredible that they were. This is were... not 1952. This is 1996. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I still wear clothes. Pardon? You know, women have been in the military and the combat and everything by this point, and then they can't get into VMI. I know. They invented the, the computer bug. <laughs> in like... No. Yeah. Before electricity. Seriously, I still have clothes from 1996. I might add that they're coming back in fashion, but anyway, I don't want to get, get off topic. Yeah. Saving the environment. So yeah. anyway, so in fact, for two years prior to this lawsuit this girl brought up, uh, they had ignored over 300 requests from women to join VMI. So the case goes on, and finally, with a vote of seven to one, it was decided that VMI was in violation of the 14th Amendment, mm. and they either had to give up state funding, Ooh. or they had to admit women. Oh my God. Ruth delivered the decision, and some of what she said was, some women can meet the physical standard VMI imposes on men, and are capable of all activities required of VMI cadets, and would want to attend VMI if they had the chance. This opinion does mark as presumptuously invalid a law that denies to women an equal opportunity to aspire, achieve, participate, and contribute to socially based on what they could do hmm. to society. I couldn't read my writing. <laughs> <laughs> so basically she was saying the women, if they want to do it, they, most of them are capable of doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and they should join too. Yeah. And, and I, to be honest, sorry to interrupt, but I am sure mm-hmm. that there are, there were also men who weren't capable of doing the entire program. And I mean, just like any university or, or college, you know, we're not all cut out to do all things. So just to not even have the chance to try is, is incredible. Well, I did see in some of these movies and all these YouTube things. And I think there's a whole story behind this. I don't think they were very kind to the women in the beginning, but that's a different story. Yeah. Um, but they would do things like just barge, like they would take away your privacy. They did everything to toughen you up. Right. Okay. So by adding the women, they their argument was it wasn't really a place for them, but they had to adjust, and they did. Right. And and in fact, on the twentieth uh, anniversary of the first graduating class, Ruth went and delivered a graduation speech. Wow! Amazing. I know. Okay. So then there was Olmstead versus LC in nineteen ninety nine. There were two women, uh, both suffering from mental illness and developmental disabilities. Mm. Uh, they went through the treatment, and from there, they were supposed to be moved to a community-based program. But instead, they remained institutionalized for several years. Oh, God. Right. Well, they ended up suing and won. Uh, this decision was important because this ruling requires states to eliminate unnecessary segregation of persons with disabilities and ensure that uh, those persons receive services in the most integrated setting appropriate to their needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had found that the unlawful segregation violated the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. So uh, and now all, you know, you couldn't just leave, you know, you, you read back in time, you know, people get put into an institution. Ju- they're just left there. Yeah, so exactly. This but, ruling says, yeah. no, your, your community, you have this, this community needs to give um, services for these people. You can't just put them in there and leave them. 
Okay. Well, to be there are two things I want to say. Firstly, I thought that mm-hmm. people got left in institutions mainly because the family. This is very judgmental of me. I'm just being honest. I thought that they got left in institutions because the family didn't know what to do with them or how to handle them. It never occurred to me that they just sort of got, you know, sucked into the system. It was like a systemic issue. Um, the other it's thing is, probably, that, yeah, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I assume it depends on where in time it is. But it's probably a combination of both. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But the other thing is, so is this, did this case have anything to do with gender or um, disability? Was it only disability based? It was just disability based because the Supreme Court is all cases to do with the um, Constitution, not just Ruth. Ruth tends to, she, um, she's most known for gravitates. Right, right. She's, uh, she's known for all, she has a opinion on everything. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, and so I guess it's equality of any kind, whether it's uh, you know man and woman, or you know color discrimination, or disability discrimination. Yeah, I guess it's all equality when you really think about it. Well, and it's like I said, it's everything constitutional. Like the next case, which was in two thousand, which sounds like a two thousand case, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was Friends of the Earth versus Laidlaw Environmental. Mm-hmm. Laidlaw Environmental was dumping excessively high levels of mercury into South Carolina's North Tiger River uh, than what they were allowed according to their permit. Quite honestly, any level of mercury in my water, whether drinking or swimming, seems excessive. But yeah. what do I know? <laughs> God, and, and we used to get punished for peeing in pools. Like, seriously. <laughs> just, just a little too much mercury. Yeah. God. All <laughs> so, right. So they were sued under the Clean Water Act for violating their license. Mm-hmm. So Laidlaw decided to quickly comply. They knew what they were doing. They went with it as long as they could. They quickly complied, and they to them, they considered the matter mute or resolved. Mm-hmm. However, the Supreme Court had another opinion. Mm-hmm. With a 7-2 majority, Ruth delivered the decision by saying, a defendant's voluntary cessation of allegedly unlawful conduct ordinarily does not suffice to moot a case. Congress has found that civil penalties to the Clean Water Act causes uh, cases do more than promote immediate compliance. They also deter future violations. Mm, nice. So, you know, they're saying, yeah, great, you cleaned it up. And evidently, what I read under this one was, is they closed the factory that was dumping the extra mercury. Right. But they still had the permit. So after this, they could just open it up and do it again. So they had to make sure that they gave them uh, a good penalty. <laughs> I was good. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. To deter them from doing anything like that in the future. Wow. Right. Nice and one. other people and other companies. Yeah, for sure. So this one is a recent big one that everyone probably has some knowledge of, even you Canadians. <laughs> well, now I'm <laughs> stressed. <laughs> this is Obergefell versus Hodges. This is 2015. Mm. Okay, James Augerfell and his partner John wanted to get married because John had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Mm. However, they lived in Ohio, and Ohio did not allow same-sex marriages, so they went to Maryland and wed. Mm. Upon John's passing, James was not allowed to receive spousal benefits because Ohio wouldn't recognize their marriage. Oh my God. Because they married, they married in another state, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Oberfell, um, along with 13 other same sex couples sued and eventually mm. won in the Supreme court. Good. This was a landmark civil rights case 
in which the Supreme Court ruled that the fundamental rights to marry is guaranteed, which means it's guaranteed also to same-sex couples. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is by both due process clause and equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, this was a 5-4 ruling, but it requires all 50 states, Washington, D.C., and insular areas, they must perform and recognize the marriages of same-sex couples. And therefore, wow. they get the same benefits and everything. So that was a big, big case. So that if you live in the States, you know that one. Yes, I, I, I do remember that. I mean, I didn't know that it was that case, but I do remember that happening. And it's incredible, though. You said it was a 5-4 decision. Like, there was a lot of uh, opposition. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh. Like, it wasn't, like, <laughs> unanimous or anything. You know, take yeah, a look I at who the, who's on the Supreme Court, especially as you go back in time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. all I'm saying. Yeah. That's yep. all I'm saying. Yeah. I think enough said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's pause for fun facts of Ruth. All right. Um, When Ruth joined the Supreme Court, she was the second woman ever, the first being Sandra Day Mm O'Connor. One day they were discussing their robes they wear, and they talked about how for men, it is designed to show their shirt collar and tie, but obviously nothing has been designed with a woman in mind. So they talked about, yeah, see where I'm going with this? I think so. <laughs> so they talked about what would be appropriate to include as part of the robe, um, but something typical of women. So that's when they came up with the jabot. It's very similar to a decorative collar, and it's usually made of lace. Mm-hmm. As you probably any thing of Ruth, you've always seen with the collar. Anyway. Yeah. Over the years, Ruth has acquired a rather extensive collection, most of them being gifts, mind you. Moreover, uh, Journalists, lawyers, and the public began to notice that on the day of a decision of a court case, Ruth would wear one style collar if she was in the majority (gasps) and a rather distinct bejeweled uh, jabot if she was in dissent. Oh my God, I love that stuff. They would wait and they'd look to see what Ruth was wearing and they knew she was not with the majority just by when the minute she walked out. So oh this, my God, I love that. I like that she was, she was like signaling. She was, God, that's yeah. smart. I like that. Yeah, she's a little ballsy. Anyway, <laughs> this, this has become known as her descent collar. Not very original idea, but it gets the point across. So, yeah. so do you like the collar? You know, you can buy a replica online. Is it too big? You can buy a pin version of it. Now, Deb, maybe your kids are into Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You can go to activitiesforkids.com and make a paper descent collar. Is it Christmas? Is it Christmas time? <laughs> Papersnowflakeart.com will show you how to cut an RBG descent collar snowflake. Oh, oh wait, my God. It's, it's Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. YouTube will help you complete your RBG costume with a DIY descent collar. Are you bored? <laughs> Deb is knitting your thing. Well, absolutely, knitting, it is knitting. great because knitting.craftgossip.com <laughs> yeah. has an RBG collar pattern just for you. Oh my God. Yeah. Knitting and cooking are my things, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need oh. to go to activitiesforkids.com, make the paper one. Oh Lord. All <laughs> right. Now, back to Ruth. <laughs> now, what Ruth is known for is obviously her fight for the 14th Amendment, but she's also more recently known for her scathing descents. Hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, although I think it feels like it's obvious, dissent by definition, well, first off, it's a noun. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I use it as a adjective, but 
Uh, it is the opinion of a judge of a court of appeals, including the Supreme Court, which disagrees with the majority of the decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll touch base on a couple of her famous ones that she did not like the answer to. All right. Number one, she always talks about this one. This is Ledbetter versus Goodyear Tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't write down the year, but I believe it was late 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lily Ledbetter, she worked for Goodyear in the manufacturing plant for nearly 20 years as a manager, supervisor type person. And she re- received regular raises. And then somewhere in the late 90s, for like three years in a row, she didn't even get a raise. Hmm. And then one morning, she got an anonymous note. And inside of it was the payroll of all her male colleagues. Oh, no. Yeah, they made more. So some of them as much as 40% more. Now, she's been there 20 years. Some of them she actually trained. Anyway. Oh. So she she sued. And... um because she felt she was getting paid less than her male colleagues, which she had the paper for. And um, they were in the same position and some were under her and still making more. I was going to ask that actually, that's just incredible. They weren't even, I mean, even her subordinates were making more than her. How does that make sense in any universe, any universe, you know? I know. So you assume it's a, you know, an open and closed case, right? Well, she lost. What? (laughs) Not because they felt it was, she was in the wrong. Um, but because she did not file her claim within 180 days of her employee employer's pay decision. So basically when they said, you know, when they did her review, you're making, we'll say $20 an hour, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, you, if you feel like you need to make 25, you needed, you had 180 days to argue that. Oh, yeah, but new information came to light. Like, oh my God, talk about, you know, using a technicality to, to justify doing the wrong thing wow well you know who wasn't in agreement with this don't you yep well miss mrs ginsburg and a famous dissent caller argued that paid discrimination is not like other types of discrimination because it is exponentially more difficult to detect and often becomes only evident over time i mean how do you know they don't post you know people's page in the employee room exactly so she went on to say that the better way to interpret this law is to treat each paycheck that is infected by discrimination as a separate violation that starts the 180 day timeline anew. So in other words, with yeah. every paycheck, so on her last paycheck, she should still have 180 days. Yes. You know, every time she gets a paycheck, the timer should start again. Totally. God. I do believe that she went back later and she actually did end up winning, but okay. Yeah, but initially, anyway, that's incredible. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Gonzalez versus Carhartt. Mm -hmm. Dr. Carhartt brought a suit against the Attorney General because there was a new legislation uh, banning partial birth abortions. Oh. uh, But it was too broad, and it um, and it failed to include the exception for the procedure when it was necessary for the health of the mother. Oh. Mm -hmm. And the result was, they said. The Supreme Court said, uh, no, we're going to uphold the current legislation. Wow. So Ginsburg was not happy. Mm. And among many things that she said, she mm. said, the majority's decision to uphold a regulation of a woman's right to an abortion that contains no exception for the safeguarding a woman's health is troubling. The absence of a health exception constitutes an undue burden on the right of a woman to seek an abortion under Planned Parenthood versus KC 1992. 
So she's basically saying, how can you, you know, why is it okay the woman to, yeah. to die because well, of it, this? <laughs> oh my gosh, it just seems baffling that these cases didn't, you know, that they turned out this way. Anyway, uh, again, yeah. I, again, look at the panel. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I need to uh, unstick my mind. <laughs> exactly. Especially as you, know, as you go further back, you know? Well, yeah, and to be honest, I mean, this is 2022, and we had, I'm not sure what's going on now, but in Texas, didn't they um, ban abortions? I can't remember what the... Like, like I guess six weeks or something you had? Yeah. Some, yeah, it was, I don't know whatever became of that. Something tells me it's still in. Exactly. Uh, I know. So, I, and you say that I was going to look it up, but I didn't. <laughs> okay, we we could look that up, but I mean, so let's you know we, we're we're like astonished, but really, how much further along are we? It, not in general, but in, in some areas and in some cases, like it's just it's it's unbelievable how it just keeps coming up. So yes, of course, progress has been made, no doubt, but we shouldn't be so astonished when we still see it happening. And we, it, I mean, yeah. there's so many of these things. I feel like we're just going back in time. I know, like, especially please move yeah. forward, people. I know, I know. I I don't get uh, it. Uh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, let's go on. Yeah, so you can see. Get, neither does Ruth. So right, Burwell versus Hobby Lobby. <laughs> this was another five. Yeah, well, you know, you're not going to shop Hobby Lobby anymore, and I forgot about this. I don't, I don't even know what Hob- what is Hobby Lobby uh, for the love of God. Do you guys have AC Moore or Michaels up there? Michaels. Oh, wait a second. The craft store. Right. Okay. Yes. I think we have Michaels. (laughs) Well, AC Moore closed down, which was the one that I preferred. And Hobby Lobby is, it was big out West and now it's moving my way more, but it's a big craft chain. Anyway, they got sued or they got taken to the Supreme Court, right? They did. And they won. uh, Hobby Lobby won actually with another 5-4 case. This determined that family-owned and other closely held companies cannot be forced to offer insurance coverage for certain birth control methods that equate to abortion. Oh, I would assume, I'm not, I didn't look deep into it. I assume they mean like the morning after pill or something like that. Oh I, I don't my know. God. I, I don't really know. It, it was just like, really? Um, Ruth dissented. She said, <sighs> approving some religious claims while deeming others unworthy of uh, a com. I can't read my own writing. <laughs> I think you need, to, you need to type from now on. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I do. Okay. Back, so Ruth dissented. Let me start again. Approving some religious claims while deeming others unworthy of accommodating could be perceived as favoring one religion over another. The very risk of establishment clause was designed to preclude. So in other words, we are not supposed to, yeah. you know, nothing on basis of religion. Mm-hmm. The court, I fear, has ventured into a minefield. Wow. Good for her. Uh, she also dissented on the Bush versus Gore case, um, the election, remember Florida, mm-hmm. uh, the hanging Chad, you know, is it, Bush, uh, you know, who won the election? Well, uh, the court basically said that Bush won because they wouldn't have time to count all the votes in the proper <laughs> timeline. It, it was, she's like, this is too important to talk on that, but yeah, Bush became president. Uh, and we all know how that ended up anyway no (laughs) (laughs) well now the shelby versus holder case in 2013 this is the case that shot ruth into stardom Mm. in 1965 lyndon b johnson now picture the 60s okay 
enacted yeah. the Voting Rights Act. Basically, Congress had determined there was racial discrimination in certain areas of the country when it came to voting. Mm-hmm. As if that was the only problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. As if that isn't still the case, but anyway, exactly. yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of times a county might create like an electoral district lines to dilute the voting power of a minority group, which I'm not sure how Canada does their voting. You probably don't understand this, but anyway. I don't even um, understand how Canada does it. So anyway. <laughs> well, this is why they created section four and five of the uh, constitution. Section four contained a formula used to identify jurisdictions with problematic histories of racial discrimination. Mm. Many states, as I understand it, would actually require uh, those who want to register to vote to like take a literacy test or some way of deciding if they had the moral character to vote or oh. even ha- make someone vouch for them if they want to vote. Oh my God. <laughs> And then Section 5 would require those states that had the problematic histories, um, if they fall into that category, they must seek approval from the U.S. Attorney General if they want to change any election laws or procedures. Right. Uh, They call this preclearance. So basically, you've done bad things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're watching you. You can't change anything. Yeah, you don't have a voice. Because you yeah. because you broke the speed limit twice. Right. right. Mm. You're going to stay right there. And if you want to change anything, you need to talk to us. And then we'll discuss it. Oh, God. So Section 4 and 5, they had like a five-year expiration. They were just going to give it a try. So it worked well. So they continued. They renewed and renewed again. And then actually in 1982, they renewed it for 25 years. Like, let's <laughs> just keep revisiting. 25 years is good. And then in 2006, they did it for another 25 years. Like, hey, all's good. Let's just... You know, let's not see this for another 25 years. Oh, wow. Well, in 2010, this tiny little county in Alabama, uh-huh. Shelby County, mm-hmm. uh, and it happened to be subject to preclearance, decided that Section 4 and 5 were unconstitutional. Hmm. And to be honest, I don't even know why they brought this up. I, I looked and, but Google failed me, quite honestly. I couldn't figure out why they were, I they wanted to do something funky, if you ask me. Right, okay. So then in 2013, a as, seriously, a great injustice was done to the citizens of the United States. Shelby County won with a 5-4 vote. And Section wow. 4 was overturned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Section 5 remained, but without Section 4, it really was useless. Yeah, um, yeah. the New York Times had a great article summing it up. Um, in the opinion of the court, Chief Justice Roberts stated, In 1965, it was extraordinary measures for extraordinary time. Whew. All I can think is at least there isn't any racial injustice now. No. Uh, <laughs> he mentioned that these rules have outlived their usefulness. Oh my uh, so we understand voting discrimination still exists. The question uh. should really be, is the Voting Act current and justified by today's needs? So he went on to say in the 10th Amendment, power to the states and the states should be treated equal. And preclearance does not treat all states equal. Well, I'm sorry. They were being bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> wow. So the chief justice concluded that times have changed and 50 years later, times are drastically different. Mm-hmm. Now the New York times uh, stated history does, did not end in 1965. Yeah. Congress, Congress has reauthorized it many times because they saw a need for it. Exactly. In that time, we have seen voting tests abolished. Disparities in voter registration and turnout due to race were erased, and African-Americans attained political office in record numbers. Mm -hmm. 
The 15th Amendment commands that the right to vote shall not be denied or abridged on account of race or color, and it gives Congress the power to enforce that amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the amendment is not designed to punish for the past. Its purpose is to ensure a better future. Mm-hmm. So Ruth gave her scathing dissent. Mm-hmm. She didn't mm-hmm. agree, and I include this quote. The sad irony of today lies in the... Uh, in the court's failure to grasp why the law has proven effective. Mm. Throwing out preclearance when it has worked and is continuing to work to stop discriminatory changes is like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm because you're not getting wet. Mm. According to Wikipedia, research shows that preclearance increased minority Congress and representative minority turnout. And in 2018, five years later, nearly 1,000 U.S. polling places have closed. Mm. Many predominantly African-American counties. And of course, less places to vote, lower turnout. Yeah, There have been cuts to early voting, stricter voting ID laws, and purging of voter rolls. So. Wow. And that was 2010, you said, right? 2013. 13. 2013, because five years later, nearly a thousand polling places, predominantly in African American communities, have closed. Wow. No words. Wow. Well, I have words. Fun fact number three. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is this is the birth of notorious RBG. There was a university law student that was really disappointed in the Shelby case, uh, but she was really quite moved by Ruth's dissent. So she took the tumbler. That's 2013. Mm-hmm. She created the name Notorious RBG to share the dissenting opinion. And it took off. It went off. Wow. Yeah, it's, it just caught on. Wow. At the, same time, at the same time, you had a couple other students, Mitu um, Su and Frank Chi. They had her photo mm-hmm. and they had seen the Notorious RBG. So they decided to add the, I'm going to butcher this, Basquiat crown. Right. You know, yeah. the notorious B.I.G. on the album, yeah. The Crown That He Was? Well, they put it on Ruth. Wow. And they, created, <laughs> and they created the phrase, you can't have the truth without Ruth. Oh, that's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Ruth, at this point, she's in her 80s. Wow. And she's a living icon. Wow. And uh, although she didn't seek fame out, she did enjoy it. And she was even known to keep a stack of notorious RBG t-shirts to give us <laughs> gifts. Um, okay. So as we start to finish up, uh, I do, there's a few things I need to mention uh-huh. because uh, sadly, uh, Ruth battled cancer several times. Oh. Amazingly, she never missed a day on the bench. Oh, God. Her colleague, yeah, I know her colleague Sandra Day O'Connor, who um, I believe she battled, I think it was breast cancer, I could be wrong, but she battled cancer anyway while she was on the bench. So she gave Ruth some advice to get your treatments on Fridays, you'll feel better by Monday. So in '99, Ruth was diagnosed with colon cancer, 2009, she found lesions on her pancreas. In 2018, she actually, she fell at the Supreme Court and broke three ribs. And that's when they found some nodules on her lungs. Oh, my God. 2019, she found a tumor on her pancreas and 2020 cancerous lesions on her liver. Um, About her husband, Marty, 
I said I was going to go more into it, but I really can't because I just cannot explain it. But um, yeah, they both say it was just 56 amazing, wonderful, happy years. Um, and right before he passed, Marty left a letter for Ruth on the bedside table. And if I can get through this without crying, it'll be a miracle. Oh, my God. Don't, don't make me cry. It doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> it said, my dearest Ruth, you are the only person I have loved in my life setting aside a bit for parents, kids, and their kids. What a treat it has been watching you progress to the very top of the legal world. I've admired and loved you almost since we first met at Cornell 56 years ago. The time has come for me to take leave of life because the loss of qualities just simply overwhelms. I hope you'll support where I come out, but I understand you may not. I will love you not a jot less. Oh my God. Marty lost his, Marty lost his battle with cancer June 27, 2010. He was 78. Okay, some fun facts because I can't. <laughs> oh yes, please, please bring bring happiness, please. Okay, uh, Ruth. Fun fact number four: one of her biggest adversaries on the Supreme Court was one of her closest and dearest friends. Wow, cool. Almost, I, I will say that almost every dissent or majority that she had, he had the opposite. If she was in the majority, he had the dissent. If he has was in the majority, she had the dissent. They. <laughs> That sounds a bit like us. <laughs> we're yes, exactly the trucker and the poet. You got it. <laughs> we're enemies on the podcast and best of friends outside it. No, exactly. no. that's um, incredible. Who was it? Um, his name was. Uh, I always want to say Anthony Scalia, but it's Antonin Scalia. Mm -hmm. uh, he was. He was actually the justice who had uh, talked to Clinton and said that she was really oh. good they evidently worked together on the district uh district circuit from right what i understand and then he went off to the supreme court and then wow. she came up after but they were opposites in every way oh but my god they looked at each other with respect and fondness and she every time he called her names when it came you know on the bench he'd, he'd call her all kinds of names and she would call him and she's like i took it as a challenge wow <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. he raised the bar for her maybe he brought out the best in her you know sometimes unfortunately it takes somebody like that to make you have to rise um get even farther along in your game right right i mean from what i could from what i understood is like he took the constitution word for word as if you were living in 1776 mm, exactly. she interprets it to modern day so right. they, there's no way they could ever agree but they shared a love for opera and good wine their families <laughs> actually vacationed together oh. and they spent they spent every New Year's together, and they oh had a tradition. Oh Scalia kills it, and Marty cooks it. Oh. <laughs> Are we talking about frozen peas? <laughs> um, I hope so. So they enjoyed 20 years. Who were the hunters, years. and who were the gatherers? <laughs> uh, Scalia was definitely the hunter. All right, okay. Well, they, so they enjoyed 22 years on the Supreme Court together until his death in 2016. Wow. Uh, speaking of opera, Ruth was a massive opera lover. Wow. Uh, when she would go to the opera, she forgot everyone and everything in her life. She loved, I mean, there's, there isn't a bigger opera fan than Ruth. Oh, so that leads us to fun fact, Ruth number nine, number five. Uh-huh. In 1994, Ruth and Scalia actually appeared as extras on stage in the opera Ariadne of Naxos. <laughs> Yeah, I butchered it, I'm sure. But Scalia loved the opera, too. So for them to be extras was huge. Oh, I 
you just imagine them. Oh, my God. And then in 2003, she and fellow justices played extras during an opera called Die Flattermouse. Yeah, I'm, I don't know German either. 2016, she appeared in a non-singing but rare speaking role as Duchess of Krakenthorpe, which what, I believe it was two days after Trump was elected. Oh, she, God. Uh, she actually accidentally said something in public about how much she didn't like him. I assume it was because she probably didn't think he'd get elected to the court. She yeah. actually had to she actually had to apologize for it. He Trump said a couple of nasty names and I mean Ooh. she actually had to apologize and she said that wasn't her place to say it because she shouldn't have an opinion about right. Trump, but quite uh, honestly what, whoever thought. <laughs> I know. What was the name of that uh, opera again? She, well, I didn't write down the name of the opera, but uh. the role she played was the Duchess of Crackenthorpe. Crackenthorpe. Crackenthorpe sounds like <laughs> Trump's entire tenure in office. <laughs> well, if you look on YouTube or mm-hmm. any of the movies that have it in there, she reads it. She wrote it. And it's very tongue in cheek. And oh. um, there's a few little digs in there about that gentleman. All right. I'll look okay, it up. So then in 2017, there was actually an opera that was created called Ginsburg Scalia. And it was oh. about the crazy friendship before his oh. unhighling death. It was so interesting. Like, there's all these songs that came up with them arguing in courts and everything. And, oh, my God. And I think they revised it. And I saw that uh, at some point it was at, at the Wang Center in Boston in 2020. But, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, Ruth, fun fact number six, she actually became a fitness icon in her 80s. What? (laughs) I'm not kidding, and I remember this. I remember this well. Uh, She maintained a strict workout with her trainer well into her 80s. I think really probably right up until she got sick again. Yeah. Uh, I think she went and met with the trainer twice a week, but she was known to do 20 push-ups per day along with a one-minute plank. And oh on top God. of gym workouts, they, uh, yeah. Oh, she was on every talk show. Every, every news thing had a thing about her working out. I, I think the trainer wrote a book, uh, like train like Ruth or something. And it was crazy. Wow. <laughs> she, was so, I, she was just so cute. <laughs> I, so apparently, so what you're trying to say is that I am not fit because I sleep seven hours a night. Like if I only slept one hour a night, I would be Correct. like this. Fit, okay. Got it. Yeah. All right. It's, it's all becoming much clearer. <laughs> okay ruth fun fact number seven she was a pro- self-proclaimed terrible driver in fact she failed her driving test five times <laughs> something cooking and driving not her thing yeah uh, <laughs> ruth fun fact number eight she ginsburg got her and sandra day o'connor their own bathroom at the supreme court the 12 oh. years sandra day o'connor was there before ruth she had she didn't have her a woman's bathroom oh god <laughs> You're going to like this one. Oh. Ruth, fun fact number nine. She's okay. evidently not a morning person. Oh. I, there was some justices who tried to get her to get up and go exercising with them in the morning. She's like, listen, getting to the court by 930 is enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. She did have her, what did we call them? She. I wonder how many, um, what were there, 108 virtues and 108 uh, whatever. I wonder... <laughs> Not waking up in the morning must have been one of her descents. Well, to be fair, she probably went to bed at five. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, my God. I can't believe she didn't want to get up and go jogging. 
I know, go figure. <laughs> wow. So Ruth's fun fact number 10, she has said she never has had a single day where she dreaded going to work. Wow. That makes one of us. I don't know about you. Seriously, that I can't, I, what? That cannot be. <laughs> but okay, but it's Ruth, right? So she probably really means it. I, I believe she does. I, she's not a jokester. No. Wow. Uh, you know, Ruth loved reading mysteries, traveling, horseback riding, movies, golf, water skiing, and the <laughs> arts. But to be fair, I was like, oh my God, she likes water skiing. But to be fair, she wasn't an old person all her life. I mean, well, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, this is uh, Ruth. I mean, <laughs> Ruth less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. Uh, so, you know, Ruth never retired from the Supreme Court. I think in 13 of 2013, 2014, they were trying to push her to leaving and she wouldn't. Aww. She didn't have to, you nope. know, uh, she lost her battle on Friday, September 18th, 2020 from complications from metast- metastatic cancer of the pancreas. Aww. She was laid to rest next to Marty in Arlington cemetery. Oh, wow. I have two last quotes. Mm-hmm. I've heard many, many quotes. <laughs> yes. Uh, one is real change, enduring change, happens one step at a time. And fight for things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Yes. And that is the life and times of the notorious RBG. Wow. That was incredible, Chris. Honestly, I'm ashamed to say that I mean, I've, I knew who she was and I knew that she was amazing, but I didn't know any of this. And I'm so grateful to you for doing a two-parter and uh, giving us all that information. (laughs) What an incredible inspiration and not just an inspiration, but honestly, we owe such a debt of gratitude to, to her and her diligence all of those years and, you know, overcoming all of those obstacles to get where she got. That's, it's incredible. Thank you. No, I, I, if it wasn't for us doing this, I never would have known about it. So I am more than pleased to share it. I'm sure again, most yeah. people have seen or heard or knew when she passed, you know, the importance of her. I didn't, I'm, it is yeah. what it is, but I know now I do yeah. beg everyone to please go either watch YouTube or one, just get a feel for her. So the yeah. information you got from me, you can kind of hear yes. it in her voice. What, an, I mean, <laughs> she was incredible. She was incredible. And now I understand why she was greatly missed and why people are very upset and very upset that, you know, she didn't make it until, uh, the one, her last wish, I believe, was that they would wait for the new election because it was right about the time when, uh, right before right. the election. And she wanted to make it so right. that Trump wouldn't elect the new judge. Right. But uh, yes. he he appointed one as fast as he could. So anyway, oh, that's my story, my wow. dear. Wow. Well, it was amazing. Thank you so incredibly much. And we, I hope that our listeners enjoyed it too. I, not, I hope, I'm absolutely certain they did. So thank you for all that. Um, we would love our listeners to visit us on Facebook at Today We Laughed and Learned uh, or Instagram at Today We Laughed or Learned. We, um, you know, inform you, let you know when our episodes are coming out. So we would love to have a follow or some likes or whatever kind of love you can show. And also if you have any um, suggestions or, or anything at all that you want to tell us, you can uh, uh, email us on todaywelaughedgmail.com. So, without further ado, I think that today we definitely laughed. We did, and we definitely learned <laughs> all about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 
That's right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And we would love to hear you. Please, wherever you're listening to our podcast, if you would like and subscribe, it would really help bump us up in the ratings. We would really appreciate it. Yes, perfect. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. 